You are listening to the Horizon CIO podcast. Listen to episode 62 to discover how eSynergy solutions help build teams and capability and can embed you in their network of 200,000 plus developers. They can also help you improve diversity, upskill your teams and raise your brand profile through their bespoke events with partners including AWS, Scala, Lightbend and Rehab. To find out more, visit www.esynergy-solutions.co.uk. Welcome to this Horizon CIO podcast with me, Mark Chillingworth. On this week's show, I'm joined by a leading CIO and an industry expert to discuss whether SAP is forcing CIOs into a corner that may delay agility. My guests this week are Brian Oak, COO of Searchlight Consulting. Welcome, Brian. Morning. And CIO Mark Lockton Goddard. Welcome. Hi. Analysts believe there are at least 36,000 instances of the SAP Enterprise Resource Planning platform in use. SAP HANA is the in-memory database platform that SAP launched back in 2011. Brian, you've been involved in SAP technology for much of your career. Is the HANA database uh, proving uh, popular and growing in terms of adoption, just to give us some context for this debate? Um, from from my understanding and, and knowledge of the market, its, uh, its greatest adoption is in the area of business intelligence, um, running data warehouses. I think clients have been less... Uh, willing to and, and prepared to move on to it as a database platform for their core ERP products. Uh, that's changing a bit, but in general, the take-up's been quite slow outside of the business intelligence arena. I, I think I would say that as well. You know, I mean, it's really interesting in that the SAP and also large-scale ERP generally um, is something that is a is seen probably in some ways more of a historical way of solving some of the business problems that we have and therefore you might use these systems for core system of records but actually you know in terms of their deployment now we're certainly doing a lot around bi and uh, data because insight is so important but around core financials core hr we're not really doing much more than just keeping things uh, as they are uh, and sap business suite for uh, S for HANA is the ERP that's built for the HANA database platform. That was introduced in 2015. The market, has that widely adopted that, or is that still uh, dragging a little bit? No, I, th- I think it's it's, a, it's still a very nascent um, product and a nascent market for it. Um, it's increasing um, in uh, consideration now than it was previously. Um, I think a combination of the fact that um, uh, the product itself is maturing, but at the same time, we've got a lot of existing uh, SAP customers that have invested an awful lot into their current environments. And um, uh, as I think Mark, Mark will probably testify to, are struggling to see the business case for moving from their existing implementations uh, onto uh, the new platform of, of S4HANA. I think that's absolutely right, Brian. That's a very good point that you make because. Often with the the core systems that we use and uh, we use certainly um, in our, in our business, we've customised them quite a lot um, over the years. And uh, you know, whilst that's not necessarily a good thing, it now means that we've got a product that's very fit for our business. Upgrading, therefore, is not a five minute job, and it's a, quite an expensive job, and it's quite uh, time consuming. 
and yet the business benefits are not necessarily coming through right now. So having a conversation around the board about let's do this upgrade and by the way it's going to cost you a bunch of a uh, bunch of money and we're not really going to get much out of it is is not a great conversation to be having right now. So it's um it's a hard business case to put forward just for for an upgrade. And I and I think that 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 term of an upgrade also is a little bit potentially misleading because the the whole architecture of the product has changed so significantly for most people it's a re-implementation and all those customizations that you've just mentioned you've got to figure out what to do with them because um, there are a number of different deployment models for the new SAP as for HANA platform of which if you move to a cloud environment which is in any way sort of multi-tenanted then your ability to customize it is inherently restricted yes Mm. if you choose to put it on premise and do and and just carry your customizations and recreate them in the in the new product then you're missing the opportunity so there's an opportunity and there's a and there's a threat and a risk which makes it not a straightforward migration which on that point the announcement that SAP won't support other databases for their ERP other than HANA quite complex doesn't it for for CIOs that's a huge business change a, a re-implementation as you just described it. it it is so so by 2025 you know the the current um, stance from SAP is that um normal support for the existing versions of SAP um running on other database platforms and even business suite on the HANA platform which is the the current in you know the, if you like the last incarnation mm-hmm. um will be um reduced at uh, 2025 and now they are probably likely to put in extended support and you pay a premium for that there are other choices as well which we should talk about a bit later on i think yeah. and uh, you know if you think about the timing of that therefore that doesn't really leave a lot of time because a business with a complex implementation might take a while to to get there um so that that really does kind of bring it front and center the difficulty i think also though is that if you talk about sap around most board tables it's a very boring conversation right so uh, so most most board directors do not want to or even care about sap they probably don't even really understand what it is and it's not the kind of conversation they want to have so again you know getting the business case signed off is 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 actually becomes a bit of a technical conversation when the business doesn't want to be talking about technology wants to be talking about customers and products and data yeah absolutely and i th- and i think that a lot of the messaging that has gone in around the 25 2025 date that might need to move or the the, the desire to get people to move on to esfahana has come from that perspective my observation to people is you don't want to start that conversation if it's a significant investment and a re-engineering of your business processes, you don't want to start that with, well, we've got to do this because the database technology is forcing us to do it. Well, that's just, that's tail wagging the dog completely. Yeah. It should absolutely be led by a conversation about what are the business business capabilities we need, what are the business drivers that we want to address, and is ERP, is the core, are those core ERP transactional systems really the part of the business that's going to deliver the value on that and in most cases it doesn't and to that point it was only in 2016 that version 6 of the the main ERP that most CIOs are, are using uh, was was implemented I spoke to many CIOs they implemented version 6 it seemed seemed the obvious way to go to then now be told we won't support other databases is to your point Mark that's a conversation you don't want to have to go to the board and say is it, it, it it's definitely not you know having um already quite a lot of investment on the balance sheet around um, SAP you know you can't just suddenly decide oh we'll wipe that off and start again I also think it's a challenging um, question for SAP because 
if you if you're saying then therefore the right thing to do is to to revisit our business processes and practices and start again as if it's a replacement I'm not sure we'd end up with SAP as the answer. And therefore, then, how many businesses are like us where you say maybe an ERP solution is not a great answer for a very agile, customer-focused, dynamic business anymore? You know, So so I think it's quite risky from SAP to, to force people or try to force people down a route where SAP might ultimately not be the answer. And, and, and the challenge, I think, that a lot of SAP existing SAP customers have got is if they do any research on any of these topics, the only answers they're getting and the only guidance they're getting, he says, putting air quotes in there, is from people with a vested interest in the outcome. You know, your existing SAP support partners, uh, SAP vendor partners, SAP themselves, um, they have a, a vested interest in the output. And getting independent advice, getting independent um, facilitation of that process is going to be critical for clients to be able to make the right decisions. And to your point, I mean, you've got Workday launching uh, procurement and HR. Um, obviously, they've always had HR modules, but they've got procurement. They've now got uh, payroll modules, and that's a, that's that's growing as a set of processes. Many CIOs I've met have, have gone the Workday route uh, and been quite happy with it. Because so, clearly, there's a bit of a threat to to SAB almost being uh, disintermediated within the organisation. I think that's right. You know, one of the things that we always look at is the fact that the nearer you are to the customer, the more you want to be agile, um, the more you're likely to be digital, and the more that's therefore going to change those systems on a regular basis. If we're getting closer and closer to the customer as a business, then some of these very large, complicated systems don't necessarily help us to give the agility and the flexibility to those customers that they need. Um, so, again, I think you end up pulling ERP back into itself and it almost becomes like a system of records again. And then you you know, put around that a bunch of much more agile digital services and that might be Workday or it might be other things. Salesforce have got a great offering these days. You know, It's a very competitive marketplace and um, I don't think it is. Um, I don't think we live in the time where everybody says just buy SAP, just buy ERP. I don't think that's the right answer these days. I, th I think uh, absolutely agree with that, and I, and I think that notion of looking at your your business landscape from that capability perspective and looking at it as a set of components, even if you choose to buy them all from a you know or a number of them from the same vendor, you've still got that component view of life really that enables you to look at it, and then that way you can say actually you know what I need different capability, different functionality in some of these more uh, boundary areas. Mm. And, and I'll make use of modern integration methods, which have matured significantly over the last two or three years yeah. to the point where uh, that component-based architecture becomes more of a reality. Don't you think that you know some of this is a bit old school as well, in that we talk about maybe a replacement journey of three to five years for SAP. You know, I can't operate in three to five years. I'm lucky if I can operate in three to five months. Yeah. So the reality is the concept of deploying a large-scale program that's very complicated over a course of three to five years is just often a non-starter. We can't operate at that kind of pace. And that old traditional waterfall method of deploying software just doesn't really work very well for us anymore. And I don't think that works for a lot of businesses. We need to be pacey. We need to be agile, yeah. flexible, 
and we need to be you know flipping and changing different parts of the systems different components based on what's going on in the market and what's going on with our customers it is and it's and it's important that that you've got a stable core or a stable platform um, on which you can build that. So like you were saying before about systems of record and the finance systems for manufacturers and supply chain systems, you do you still got to have that core set of transactions, and that's got to be stable. But you don't want to be told that in order to you know deliver open a new channel to market or open a new online store or, or deliver some customer loyalty that actually before you do that you need to go back and rip out all the things you've done before on your finance and your HR. No, HR's on the periphery, but I guess, but, but finance, supply chain, manufacturing, all those things. And on that system, a record point, I was having breakfast with a, an insurance guy this morning who's who's inherited uh, a mainframe estate that is a fantastic system, a record, incredibly cheap. So that, that puts SAP in another position, doesn't it? Is it? Why would you replace the mainframes? Are big, oh, there's a skills problem with mainframe, we all know that, but they work and they're considerably cheaper than ripping out an ERP. Yeah, and I think I think if you if you conclude that actually come back to your point about aligning it to the uh, business drivers. Yeah. If you if you come back to that point and think about well actually um you know what the ERP systems we have or those systems of record that we have they work they work for us we've we've modified them slightly the rest of it. Then actually you might actually say we'll keep that. We'll keep it as it is. So there are people out there like Rimley Street who are offering third-party support and maintenance, where they will help you look after the current version. Yeah, and it's and typically they walk in the door, ask you how much you are paying in support and maintenance from from SAP, and offer to do a significant yeah. reduction on that and do it on a TCO basis. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean to say that remains completely static, either. That you can still update it, tweak it, make sure it's patched to the right levels from a database and technology perspective. And it might not be the long, long-term solution, but it certainly gives you another three to five years with some cash release. It's a bit like um, remortgaging your house, isn't it, to get equity release, it, that sort of process. And I think a number of clients will consider that approach as well, using those third-party support and maintenance yeah. providers. How impactful, how dangerous is it that SAP is not supporting other databases? I assume CIOs are actually running the, the SAP ERP as a... As a as an application, as a set of tools on a whole variety of databases, and, and they want that choice. Is that correct? I think that historically that has been considered to be an important decision about what database technology applications sit on, particularly around the SAP space. It used to be everyone wanted it on the IBM database or, or the Oracle database, and then there was a drive towards moving on to a SQL Server database, and now, of course, SAP's you know brought in HANA and there's, there's, there's Linux and there's there's a load of different you mm. know, um, platforms that people currently use. The database platform, or if it's performant, it ought to be a, a you know like a irrelevant, almost an irrelevant um, decision these days. You want your business application to give you the business rules and the business logic and the business advantage from Mark, the transaction processing. Do you want to make that choice of what, what database or do you agree it's kind of, it should be irrelevant and baked in almost? I think to some extent it should be irrelevant. If it, if it works, it works. You know, and we should be very much more focused on outcomes rather than you know some of the core underlying infrastructure, let's say. But I'm not sure I want to give that decision away to somebody else because I do also know that data 
and how we look at uh, data for insight and how we service customers through the data that we have. That's increasingly a strategic question for us. And therefore, to not have a say in where some of that data sits because it's not the whole set of data that we operate as a business, I think that's slightly challenging. If I go back to, to my school days and 101 around how to operate as a business, it feels a little bit like SAB, SAP are being product focused not customer focused because they're not listening to their customers if customers are saying look you know we want to operate across a range of different databases you would kind of hope that they would then facilitate a smart way of making that happen i worry a little bit when large providers of any kind of service start to really regiment and and, uh, and restrict what you can do as a business we have a bunch of different database technologies we're no different to anybody else I don't want to give away part of that decision to somebody else. I'd like to have a conversation about that. Having said that, if you want to adopt a strategy or, or of moving more towards buying software as a service, investor breeds, you know, the database decision there is made for you. It, it's almost it's behind the scenes. And as you said before, you don't care as long as it works. As long as the application is performant and you can get access to your data and pull it and combine it with your other data in your organisation and use that to drive business decisions and insight. You mentioned uh, Salesforce. It's, I mean, that might be a typical example. And there are a number of other, you know, if you like, ERP vendors. And that, indeed, that's exactly where SAP's going with you know, S for HANA on, on the HANA Enterprise Cloud, their own cloud offering. Or if you put that onto the public cloud services like Amazon Web Services or, or one of the other platforms that, that SAP's got relationships with. Um, I think there you have a slightly different challenge because now your t your normal IT setup probably has internal teams, maybe an outsourced partner if you're big enough, who does a number do a number of both application and technical tasks. Well, if you buy software as a service, effectively your software vendor is now becoming your support partner. And I don't know whether a number of these software vendors have really geared up their capabilities to provide technical infrastructure support services and service management at the responsiveness and with the service levels that clients have been used to, both with in-house teams and with current outsource arrangements. I think that's probably true. And, you know, I think I guess that's why it's an opportunity for some of the uh, integrators or intermediaries to help with that. We as an organisation are uh, moving on a journey where I, I often say we're, 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 we won't be managing servers, we'll be managing services. Yes. And we've got to build a different set of capability and a different culture to be able to do that. And I suspect that the SAPs of the world have to do that as well, actually. It's, it's moving more to a an outcome-based service culture, um, which is great until something goes wrong. And uh, often that's when it becomes important that it's not just an SAP environment that we're operating within. You know, If we're providing a digital channel to a customer, the chances are the data that's driving that digital channel comes from a variety of different sources. Mm -hmm. And my worry about this is that, and it's the same with a lot of cloud-based services, how do you join it all up? And how do you solve problems when they happen? And yeah. uh, that's where I think there's a great opportunity for some real kind of smart intermediaries to help join up all of those different solutions. I totally understand why SAP would want to go down this route. 
I just think it's a little bit concerning because the cost of upgrade or the cost of replacement is so high for people that actually it might, you know, have a negative effect on their business there's revenue. A, there's, a, there's a barrier to entry to there the is. party, isn't there? High yes, barrier. absolutely. You are listening to the Horizon CIO podcast. Listen to episode 62 to discover how eSynergy solutions help build teams and capability and can embed you in their network of 200,000 plus developers. They can also help you improve diversity, upskill your teams and raise your brand profile through their bespoke events with partners including AWS, Scala, Lightbend and Rehab. To find out more, visit www.esynergy-solutions.co.uk. fastest growing part of Capgemini is their Salesforce practice, isn't it? And you can see to your point about how the intermediaries will, will need to maybe play a part here to help CIOs if, if this does become a, a fact. And, 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 and that, that leads me on, leads you on to another one, which is that you've got a bow wave now of SAP customers as you head towards 2025, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who are needing to make a decision about what they're going to do. You know, are they going to accept a risk, stick their head in the sands, start now, whatever. And there's advantages uh, absolutely, everybody should be starting to plan this now if they haven't already. What they're going to do? There are advantages in taking an early lead. Yeah, uh, one SAP might be more susceptible to commercial discussions. Yeah, we'll come back to point about indirect access in a minute. Um, but um, the other side of it is that actually there's a real shortage of people that really understand this new platform as there are for the other vendors as well you know the, with oracle with fusion with with the infor cloud suite with you know other other of the big vendors there is a uh, you know shortage there's a scarce supply of people who have actually been through experienced and been trained and know the product inside out back to front so almost if you act early you might get advantage of taking the the, the people that know it or the corollary of that is that you might actually end up with people that are totally inexperienced and don't understand the product at this point in time. So so I think that's another consideration that people have got to take when they're looking and planning this journey and when do they start that commercial positioning and the availability of resources. Mark, you touched on this earlier. In all the conversations I have with CIOs, uh, and it's interesting how the job title is changing to be CTIO, uh, to be Chief Product and, and Information Officer, uh, new digital operations, new business models are very much the, the core of what CEOs are, are looking for, are very much what the most transformational CIOs are focused on. Having a conversation about infrastructure is not going to be a good one to be having by, by the sounds of things in the current economy. No, not at all. And, and it's not the kind of conversation that is going to last for very long around the board table. So, um, And I think to Brian's point, you wouldn't necessarily start from that point. You know, If, if actually we were thinking um, actively about replacing um, SAP with HANA, it would be about process improvement. It would be about cost reduction. It would be about effectiveness. It would be about a range of different things. I guess what we would do is we would look at what we were having to do but find the positives in it. So actually, if we're going to have to do this anyway, let's see how we can transform our business. Let's see how we can get uh, the benefits out of this. So I think we'd have that kind of a conversation, although it is a little bit frustrating to be having that conversation on the back of an SAP decision. I think 
most businesses are constantly looking, and certainly the ones that I tend to work with, they're constantly looking at how they can reinvent themselves, how they can transform, how they can constantly compete in a very competitive marketplace. So inevitably, you're going to be constantly looking at your processes, how you can better serve customers, how you can deliver better products. That's what you do. So actually, I don't fundamentally have a problem with the idea of replacing systems to better systems or to change the way we do things to provide a benefit. I think that's what we should always do. Um, but I also do very much think that the old school ERP model is actually uh, not always that flexible and it's not always that uh, able to provide the benefits where you want them in an agile way and in a pacey way. So so I do have some worries about the model, the ERP model, and that's not just SAP, that's just you know, the general model mm-hmm. and how effective that is in, in for modern, dynamic, constantly transforming businesses. And, and that, that, Mark, leads you on to that conversation that says, actually, we, we recognise that we're probably going to have you know, core systems, systems of record, and then systems of engagement, systems of all that, that sort of, you know, whatever number of layers you want to have on it, which means you're in a, an environment with, you know, other products, other vendors supporting different processes and capabilities. Um, and that's where, I guess, the uh, existing SAP clients will be well aware of the fact that there's been some notable legal cases um, that SAP's um, had around uh, indirect access, i.e. when you integrate all these things together and someone initiates a transaction in a third-party application, you know, and, and accessing the SAP business logic that sits inside the core application is a user. Yeah, um, And... There's been quite a lot with Diageo and InBev, why they went after the alcohol beverage companies, I'm not quite sure, but legal cases where uh, they've, they've settled for huge amounts of money mm-hmm. because they've been deemed to be outside of their um, license agreements yeah. and subscriptions. Uh, now, SAP's tried to remedy some of that recently. They got some really bad press around the way in which they were using yeah. that, that as a as a stick to, to work with um, clients during negotiations, uh, they remedied that a bit and started talking about outcome-based or consumption-based licensing. So so rather than on numbers of users based on numbers of sales transactions or, or transactions that are triggered, be they triggered from a third-party application, uh, an IoT device, um, or whatever, um, consumption. And that's going to be really confusing, and I think, for clients to get their head around as to how do we factor that in so that we have predictable costs? With a user-based pricing, it's fairly straightforward. It's predictable. You, you can you can estimate that. You start looking at business volumes, business transaction volumes, and, and licensing based on that, it starts to become, again, a different proposition. Mm. I think that's a really good point, Brian, because you know, from my experience of dealing with either SAP or Oracle uh, or a range of different organizations of that type, if you like, Pricing is not overly simple now, right? So, uh, you know, you have a licensing conversation, you talk about pricing and, uh, you know, you go and scratch your head in a darkened room for three days whilst you work it out. Mm-hmm. So so these organisations are not known for having clear and simple pricing right now. If that becomes more and more complicated, just, you know, fundamentally becomes a hard thing to do. Yeah. Uh, bearing in mind it's the finance people that are typically deciding whether they want to do that or not. Bearing in mind it's the finance people that typically sign off on new investment for ERP solutions. All you're really doing is giving your customers an increasing headache. And one of the things that I have noticed about industries that are ripe for transformation, it's the ones where 
they historically have given the customers a bad deal and tried to keep the power to themselves. And actually the disruption has come by giving the consumer the power. And that's why I worry for the ERP industry, because right now it feels like the power is still trying to be held onto by the businesses. And actually, it's not necessarily giving the customers the best deal. So somehow, at some time, that's going to get disrupted. In your opinion, Brian, do you think there's a direct correlation between this announcement for 2025 and the Diageo and InBev cases? Or is that me being a bit too journalistic? So so I think that the desire to gain, as, as all companies need to, to get revenue from existing clients with the knowledge that there was the roadmap for the product, with the knowledge that many large organisations that have invested SAP are on the current or, or even old versions. Yeah, um, I think that there was a period of time, SAP says that it's gone now, where the licence audit was being used as a bit of a stick over, um, you know, well, you can move if you like, Mr Client, uh, let's just look and survey what your usage of the licenses is and whether you are compliant with your agreement. Mm. It's quite, a, you know, it's a it's a harsh, but it is a, a negotiation tactic. Now, yeah. now again, the last announcement and from SAP. To use that. No, and and a lot of um, and last announcement from SAP was that they were um, they were make, trying to make a very very clear distinction and separation between who had the authority to. You know, to request or instruct a, a, a license audit, which is a requirement of your commercial agreements, um, and that ought not to be linked to any sales activities, which is quite right. Yes, um, but it, what it does do is it does say that you really do need to prepare yourself for any of these conversations by understanding what your current commercial agreements are. Um, what the licensing arrangements are, because chances are you probably haven't just got one agreement. You probably bought products and 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 components over time or additional licenses. Chances are that those have different terms and conditions associated with them. So understanding what that lay of the land is, getting really good legal counsel, commercial counsel on on that is an important part of the preparation you need as you consider what your options are. Yeah. And 2025 sounds like a long way off, but when I talk to CIOs, they say a basic ROI on an SAP implementation is about seven years. Uh, we're, we're not far off seven years for 2025 in implementation period. Um, would you say that's fair? That it... So, so I would. What I would do is say, look at how long you've had your current ERP environment and how much work you've done on it. It's a bit like painting the fourth bridge. It never seems to be finished, actually, in terms of the changes you do. A lot of clients have had... I mean, I've been working in, in the SAP space since the the, you know, the late, um, well, late 90s, 97, was when I started working in SAP. Some clients have still got SAP from those times. That's 20 years' worth of investment. You've only got seven years between you know now and 2025 most of the implementations as you said unless you've got to find a way of structuring them such you deliver value in an incremental manner yeah. you can't afford to plan out a two three year journey mm. um we all know that within you know if a company plans more than 12 18 months for a project by the time it gets towards the end of it there's some significant business change significant business challenge you've got to be thinking in three six nine month horizons really um, at, at nine months at the longest, I would I would would think, um, in order to be able to plan that out properly. Mm. So, I think um, you know my experience of 
going through some kind of a implementation of SAP is that if you're lucky, it takes two to three years as an implementation. Typically, you would write that investment cost down over five to seven years. So, you know, that's the landscape that we're talking about. You know, we are we are very quickly heading towards this this date if it stays where it is. Um, and that's not factoring in um, the reality that a lot of businesses tend to customize their systems yeah. quite heavily. So um, it isn't as simple as just, you know, putting in a new CD and pressing enter. You know, there's a lot of work to be gone through to actually go through some kind of replacement program. Business change work, you know, uh, process change work, data remodeling maybe. There's a lot of preparation and a lot of in implementation work to go through that. Um, that's not the kind of thing you want to be doing in the at the 11th hour. Um, so it needs a lot of planning. It needs, a, you know, finding the business case to make it sensible in the first place. Um, but it isn't. Uh, it isn't for the faint-hearted. You know, we all know from recent press uh, examples that actually large-scale technology change can be tough. Um, so you don't want to go into it without planning it properly. So um, you know, I think from my point of view, it, 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 the fact that we're relatively uh, quickly approaching 2025, you know, that's a, that's a big concern because the change. The, the financial planning of the change is hard and the actual implementation of the change is hard. So that requires some pre-thought. Yeah. And we're recording this days after the TSB outage, a day, a day after NHS uh, uh, technical issue um, with uh, prescriptions. And initially, Craig Walker, global CIO for the downstream business of Shell, uh, one of the largest SAP users in the world, told this podcast, we are not ready for SAP, Hannah. They're taking a huge gamble. So it's an interesting, yeah. you know, a business like that changing its processes. That's um, that's more than seven years, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's a tough thing to do, you know, and and actually you end up with um, businesses that have grown and evolved over the years, and especially older businesses they can be quite complicated in terms of the systems and the processes and the ways of doing yes. things. You know, there's a great phrase, isn't there, which kind of culture eats strategy for breakfast. You know, businesses operate against processes, but they also operate against the way they've always done things, um, which is kind of um, expected or understood wisdom. Um, changing all of that is complicated. As you say, Mark, you know, we've seen really great examples recently where Perhaps that's been underestimated or perhaps the change has been rushed through. Either way, you know, nobody wants to be sat on the front page of the newspaper saying this has gone wrong. So um, so it, 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 certainly for any business that I'm working with, I would hate to put them through that in, a, in an unplanned, complicated, risky way. Um, I, if I was seriously thinking about replacing SAP now, I'd be saying it's a it's a four maybe five year journey. That's what I'd be really thinking, mm -hmm. um, and I'd want to start by taking a critical assessment of what we're doing as a business and the processes. That's not a five minute conversation to sign that off as a board, yeah. you know, to agree to commit to really thinking radically about how we operate as a business. That's something that requires a bit of conversation around the board, as you would imagine, to get to the point where we even agree to do that. So um, so it does mean that timing is quite critical on this. Brian, that point about being on the front page of the newspapers is quite key, isn't it? And you know, the other thing that uh, Craig Walker told us was their SAP platform is now working. They've got it stable. It's it's delivering what the, what the business wants. You're going to be risk averse, aren't you, about making the, this sort of change and being the, the TSB guys in front of a parliamentary uh, inquiry? I think you are. You are for, I think for um, a number of different reasons. 
um, I think if it's you know it's that whole thing about having a stable foundation on which you which your business works is 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 absolutely critical. I think I think over time I think you know there's always the, the situation that SAP might change the date 2025 as if customer pressure um, builds up um, or individual negotiations or whatever. But but that's a that's a uh, reactive strategy on the path of a client if you let that if you wait for that to happen rather than anticipating and, and trying to prepare yeah. the other thing is that even though um you might say well actually yes we do need to change those core erp you know processes and systems and we can we can start with a bit of third-party support maybe for a while which frees up some money you're still going to want to deliver incremental business benefit in other areas which may or may not rely on what you've got in your back of the in the ERP system, so you've still got to have some way of, of of enabling that platform so that it can it can interact with you, you know your other bits of the business, your other business models, your digital um, strategy or whatever. So integration, I think, for me, integration, competence, and capability, and being able to um, you know put that glue in place, put the, the the, the the oil in place that, that allows it to flow information to flow through the organization is probably one of the biggest critical capabilities that companies need to have and take ownership of because of the fact that you're likely to have landscapes which span across mm. legacy applications, new applications on premise and cloud applications. Correct, correct. And to your point, Mark, as well, if I think about, you know, where I am, we have spent five or six years getting to the point where we now feel like we've got a great or a good SAP solution. It's well integrated, it works well, it's supporting our business at a fundamental level. We're very happy with it, um, but it only feels like very recently that we've got to that stage, even though we're five, six years in the, into a journey. It, if you talk around the business, most people would think it's still relatively recent mm. that we've now finally got a stable solution. So to then say, oh, but guys, you know what we're going to do? We're now going to kind of throw all that up in the air again. That's not a great conversation. You know, there, there, there's an immediate reaction, which you would imagine of, actually, we've just got it stable. Why do we want to start yeah. changing it again? Yeah. And without being too too scare story about this, because we all get a bit fed up with scare stories, it's also about margins, isn't it? I mean, your last two organisations, energy and financial service, margins are incredibly hard to achieve there. Changing ERP, I can imagine, is not going to, not going to have a, a positive impact on margin. No, we're we're very we're very focused on business case for anything that we do. You know, we're, we we I think uh, one of the common things that you'll see about even very tight margin businesses is that if you can put a compelling business case together, they tend to be the businesses that will go after that as an opportunity as long as the business case stacks up. But very hard pressure on the business case to make sense. Um, and I think this is a bit that I worry about: is what is the business case? What is the business case for doing this? Um, I can, I can think of some great business cases that we have around the business at the moment for doing all sorts of other things. So if you're competing for investment money, you know I've maybe got a, an SAP replacement business case which looks okay, but then I've got a pile of other business cases that look fantastic. Yeah, and when you're competing for investment, I'm not sure how that's going to really uh, work out. Mm. Now we may have to do it and therefore then we might have to uh, put something in there around the kind of the risk associated with not doing it but at the same time you know if it was my money and i treat it like it is i'd be thinking well there's all these other things that are much better yes. you know why don't i want to go and do those if Absolutely. i'm if i've got you know a budget of x million a year then actually i'd rather invest it you know over in a different direction 
um, rather than doing something that's seen as a kind of a retrograde or a mm. kind of you know low value step. I think I think it, it's it, it, that's going to be a very common position for for a lot of uh, a lot of established businesses. Um, uh, we deal with quite a lot of businesses as well, which are in high growth mode, and and for them, it's about the fact that they're outgrowing existing processes and systems, mm. and maybe considering, you know, as they as they as they grow, maybe they're now into the sort of more enterprise systems territory. Um, it's about helping them make sure that they don't make the same mistakes, mm. yeah, and lock themselves into the ERP mindset yeah. so what you're saying is that those businesses may not ever go down the sap oracle type routes that that many of or if our or if they done. do if, if they do they'll they'll do it in a far more in far more of that component based way yeah. and and they'll do it in a far more of okay well let's let's you know we need to replace our financial system because you know maybe maybe the current one just can't cope with the yeah. volume of transactions or we want to do reporting and whatever it might be there's lots of reasons why people outgrow tier two tier three solutions and yeah. move to a tier one solution but they might just say, well, actually, you know, we're just going to do that. That's all we're going to do. And we're going to figure out other ways of running our manufacturing or our supply chain, our customer relationship management or e-commerce or whatever the other bits are. HR is a typical one. You know, we will we'll, we'll choose other ways of doing that and we'll be far more component-based about it. Mark Lockton Goddard and Brian Oak, thank you for your insights on this challenging issue for CIOs. We're going to put some uh, some links to the announcements from SAP and some other research material in, in the show notes. Uh, a full article uh, will be written as well to accompany the, uh, the podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please do rate or review us on your preferred podcast platform. Uh, each week on Horizon Business Innovation, there's news and insights on the CIO community. Thank you for listening. Thank you.